Well, good morning. Welcome to our new series, Death to Selfie. And maybe that's a little abrupt and mean-spirited. We're not saying that you can't take a selfie. But there is something that is really clear in Scripture that is something that we all need a constant reminder of is that it's not all about us. And this is a scripture, scriptural principle that is said over and over and over and over, and it's a battle that we all deal with. And so we're going to be talking about that over the next several weeks. There's lots of different attributes that like need to die it, like in regards to our selfishness in order for us to truly follow Christ. So we're going to talk about lots of different things like pride and materialism. And today in particular, we'll talk about uh, comparison, how we need to uh, let those things die in our life in order to truly follow God. So um, how many in here has ever taken a selfie? Okay, come on. How many has taken a selfie? All right, almost everybody has taken a selfie. Um, I have limited selfie experience. Um, I've, uh, I actually, we have this little, uh, little frame here that we're going to be using through the series so that you can take your own death to selfie selfie. Uh, but um, I tried this morning to take my selfie. This was my attempt at taking a selfie here uh, with this picture. That was it, that's what I got out of it. I was like, well, I guess that means I'm not very good at taking selfies and that's okay. I tell my kids, uh, you don't wanna be good at video games because that means that you spend a little bit too much time. I guess it's a good thing that I'm not very good at taking selfies. But selfie, taking a selfie is like a real important, like big deal in our culture now. It's a new word. It's something that like everybody understands and knows what it is. And just kind of like a short generation ago, that idea didn't exist. Like taking your own picture of of yourself. And it seems like there has also been a trend along with just how we take pictures and how we put out things on social media that our world has become more and more consumed with self, more and more consumed with how I feel right now, what I want right now, what is happening to me right now. And that is just kind of like the pull and the trend of our culture, that it's all about kind of like what is going on in my little world right now. And we, 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 the, the reality is, is when it becomes all about me, our world gets smaller and smaller and smaller. So let me explain kind of how it works is if it's all about how I feel all the stuff that's going on around me, it just it gets smaller and it gets compressed into like whatever's going on in my little world. If it's all about like what I want, my world gets smaller. And if it's all about what happens to me, my world just gets smaller and smaller and it just continues to get small where it's like almost like kind of the walls seem to be pressing in on me and the pressure of life seems to be unbearable because of all these feelings, all of this stuff that is going on around me, my world just gets smaller and smaller and smaller and there's a lot of pressure pushing in, a lot of like kind of internal turmoil that's pushing in when my world is all about myself. And that's not really what I believe God's plan is for our life. 
And it's a constant reminder and refrain in Scripture over and over that God wants us to look bigger and our world to be bigger. And for us to see more what God is doing, like the bigger picture of what God is doing. And so the selfie is kind of uh, an analogy that we'll use over the next several weeks to think about the world in terms of an really, it is kind of an unrealistic view of the world. It's really a view of the world that is very small. It's a picture of the world that isn't real. And in comparison, and how we, how we really need to look at it, is we need uh, like an antidote to that, is the reality, is the true picture, is what God is really doing in this world, and then everything gets bigger. You know, I don't think that there is, uh, or I, I, I think it's not a mistake, or it's not incidental, that the two th- the things that are on the rise is kind of like all this social media stuff, all of these selfies, and also depression. Those two things are on the rise at the same time. It was interesting. I went in with my uh, son for his uh, doctor's appointment, and uh, the doctor asked my son directly. You know, he's 12 years old. He says, how much time do you spend in front of a screen? How much social media do you uh, take in? You know, and, and, and was asking, I'm like, that's kind of an interesting question for a doctor to ask. And she said, if you have more than two hours, the studies show that it is overwhelmingly kids that are, are in front of a screen for more than two hours are more and more depressed. They're depressed and they're down and they feel bad about themselves. Essentially, the world is getting small, 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 and it's all about me and it's hard. And it's a pressure. And it's this picture that is an unrealistic view of the world. And it's not easy. And God wants to set us free from those things. And so so even though this is kind of a new reality in our culture, in our world, it's not a new problem. And in the, in the book of uh, Luke, we're going to look at the entire chapter uh, 9 in the book of Luke, where Jesus has these interesting interactions with his disciples. They kind of, over and over, he's trying to, trying to kind of reframe how they look at life and take them, move them away from the selfishness and move them into something else. So if you look with me in Luke chapter 9, uh, that chapter is really somewhat of a turning point. For the disciples, a couple of the scriptures are going to come up on the board, but not all the entire chapter. So if you have your Bible, I encourage you to to look along and uh, we have our Bibles in the back, too, if you want to look along there. But the entire chapter is interesting within its context because it really there's a shift that's taking place within the disciples. Sometimes we don't like put ourselves in their shoes and their situation. We just kind of look at what happened later on or, or look at it in the full context. But, but in that moment in time, recognize what's going on with these disciples. They were people that decided to pick up and change their life to follow Jesus. This was a risky move. He came to them and said, come and follow me. Leave what you were doing before and follow me. 
And there's probably lots of different motivation, lots of different things that compelled them. Of course, they were excited about Jesus' message and things, but they didn't fully realize who Jesus was. The story had not been written. So it was a risky move for them to say, I'm going to change my life and follow Jesus. But they were willing to take the risk thinking, you know what, this could be a great benefit to me. This is something that could like give me real meaning in my life. I can do something of significance. Maybe it will work out to benefit me. Maybe I'll do something great. And so they follow him at great risk. And you can imagine like just changing your entire life around to follow someone. And they do that. And it's starting to work out well for them. Because what they start to see is they start to see all these miraculous things that Jesus is doing. And in chapter 9, there's kind of a little bit more of a shift. God, uh, Jesus starts to give them uh, some more responsibility. He sends them out on their own to kind of start doing some of the things that Jesus had done on their own as well. And in the beginning of chapter 9, Jesus sends them out and they kind of like... They're really kind of coming into their own as disciples. And then later, there's this great, the great miracle in chapter 9 where Jesus feeds all of the people and does this miraculous sign. And then there's kind of these like three different interactions within this chapter that helps us understand where the disciples are, where their mentality is in this moment. As they're starting to kind of see... Hey, maybe the risk that I took following Jesus, maybe this is going to pay off. Maybe this is going to work out. And you can see kind of where their mind is at, starting in verse 18. After uh, the feeding of 5,000, they have this interaction. It says this, once Jesus was praying in private and his disciples were with him, he asked them, who do the crowd say that I am? What's the word on the street? About me. Like what's kind of, what's, what's the buzz? They reply, some say John the Baptist. Others say Elijah. Still others that one of the prophets of long ago has come back to life. But what about you, he asked. Who do you say that I am? Peter answered, Christ, the Christ of God. Jesus strictly warned them, told them not to say this to anyone. He said, the son of man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders, chief priests, and teachers of the law, and he must be killed, and on the third day, raised to life. Then he said to them all, if anyone would come after me, he must deny himself, take up his cross daily, and follow me. Whoever wants to save his life will lose it. Whoever wants to lose his life for me will save it. What good is it for a man to gain the whole world, and yet forfeit his very self? So, the be- so, They're talking about and thinking about, like, what is it that they're they're doing? Who is Jesus? And they're starting to figure this out and starting to understand that this is a big deal. He's the Messiah that's been promised long ago. They're a part of history. And this is an amazing thing. And immediately, here's how Jesus speaks to them. He says, he starts talking about death. When, when, when things seem to be coming together and everything seems to be working out, Jesus goes to talk about death. And he, he does it three times in this chapter. And kind of gives them a dose of reality. 
It, it, it's really interesting how we like kind of get caught up in the small world and death is kind of one of those things that makes the world much, much bigger and helps us all of a sudden to cut through the silliness of life. You know, this past week it was interesting as people were reflecting on the legacy of Senator John McCain and reflecting on his life. And it isn't it interesting how, how disagreements and petty little things all of a sudden move away when you're talking about the legacy of somebody's whole life, when, you, when death becomes a reality. And that, that is true in all kinds of different cases where you know all of a sudden when we're talking about the end of life, the pettiness of the small things in life kind of disappear and the world gets bigger and bigger. And that's what Jesus does in this moment. When they're starting, like, maybe to think, you know, we're starting to understand what this is. Jesus immediately points them to death. And really challenges them that some things, if you really want to understand life, if you really want to follow me, you have to think about the end. Some things need to die. And, and the interactions continue on where um, uh, the chapter continues on where Jesus has this incredible moment where they really see some of his inner disciples really see him in kind of a, a stat, status that they hadn't seen him before. The transfiguration. He is like in the presence of God. And they're like, wow, this is something that is unbelievable. Right after that, he heals uh, a boy with an evil spirit. And the evil spirit says, in, um, like there's an interaction that happens. And uh, that says in verse 43, and they're all amazed at the greatness of God. Because they were just like all of a sudden recognizing and seeing the amazing thing that they were a part of. And then it goes to this in verse 46. An argument started among the disciples as to which of them would be the greatest. This is how it goes, right? Jesus, knowing their thoughts, took a little child, had, had him stand beside him. Then he said to him, whoever welcomes this little child in my name welcomes me. Whoever welcomes me welcomes the one who sent me. For he who is the least among you all, he is the greatest. And so, so he, the whole context, I want you to kind of grasp the, all of the things that are flowing, all of the things that are going on, all of the emotions that are caught up in this moment. The, the disciples are starting to recognize the greatness of what they are about. And immediately what they start to turn to, where their mind goes is like, how, who's going to be the best of the best? Who's going to be the greatest? How am, like, how am I going to be remembered? How am I going to be recognized? And this is why Jesus keeps talking about death over and over and over. This is what we do. We, even in our spiritual life when things are going well, it's kind of this comparison game that we play where we say, you know, how am I doing? What's my ranking? What's my score? How am I 
compared to everybody else. And this is the conversation the disciples are having. And Jesus keeps saying, all of this stuff needs to end and needs to die. The comparison game is one of those things that, that like, is just a part of the selfie world that we live in that really needs to be put to death. That really needs to, needs to end in our own life. Um, and, and you know what? Selfies in, in some ways like kind of, kind of uh, help us realize this and illustrate this very, very clearly. Selfies are a picture of a world that doesn't really exist. I came across this image this week. Uh, take a look at this. This is a, a, an idea or an image of what selfies are like. Here's the selfie picture on the right and the reality on the left, right? The selfie is the one where you get, you know, perfect angle, you get all dressed up, you do this and you put it out there and you take plenty of takes, right? And if it's not perfect, you delete it and you take another one. It's what you put out there to the world is saying, this is what my life is like. This is how beautiful I am. This is how wonderful my life is. This is what I'm doing on Labor Day weekend. Look at this, my happy children. Look at the fun things that I do. Look at the adventures that I go on. Look at the concerts I go to. Look at the events I do. My Saturday is full of my kids playing soccer, and they scored goals, and they won the game, and they did this. Look at the wonderful world that I have. And then all the rest of us are like, wow, they got a pretty wonderful life. I better start posting some beautiful pictures of my beautiful family. And we do this kind of comparison game, and then we sit at home by ourselves, and the reality is very different from that. And we are like, man, like, it just doesn't, doesn't feel that great. I'm not feeling fantastic about myself. And it's really interesting how these things have emerged side by side. You know that Facebook, before there was Facebook, there was a website called Face Smash. Anybody know the story of that? Face Smash. Face Smash preceded Facebook. Facebook, of course, we know is the, you know, one of the biggest companies in the world now and, and is one of the biggest... Uh, producers of media in the world now has billions, of, more than a billion users. And, but before that, the first website that Mark Zuckerberg created was Face Smash. It was, he hacked into the Harvard database and he found the pictures of people's student ID and he would match them together. And the point of the whole website was for people to rank who was better looking? And so he would put all the pictures side by side and people would rank. This person is better looking than this person. And this person is better looking than this person. And that is, was the first website that like, was before Facebook existed. And I guess it crashed all their servers and they had all kinds of problems because it was so popular. The website, Face Smash. It was just all about ranking. Who is the best looking? That was it. Pretty simple concept. And guess what? Some things have changed, but pretty much Facebook is kind of the same. That's kind of still what it is, right? It's still a ranking system. It's still just kind of like out there to compare 
this is, my life is, is great compared to others. And the rise in like people being unhappy with themselves and unhappy with their life keeps going up and up as we keep on putting out these fake pictures and images of what reality is. These selfie kind of pictures. And this is what the disciples struggled with. The same comparison game. They struggle with who's going to be Jesus' favorite? Who's going to be the best? Who is going to have the biggest name of all the disciples? And this is what they're arguing about. And this is where their head is at. And this is where all of us are sometimes. It's a ranking game. And we grow up in the Little League Baseball ranking who's the best baseball player. And we grow up going through school trying to get the best grades. And we grow up in all these things. And this is kind of, it's hard to avoid this comparison game. And almost this fight for am I going to be known as the best of the best. And so Jesus comes back time and time again and says... These things in you need to die. Some things need to change. Later in the chapter, um, he he says this in verse 57. As they were walking along the road, a man said to him, I will follow you wherever you go. Jesus replied, foxes have holes, birds of the air have nests, but the son of man has no place to lay his head. He said to another man, follow me. But the man replied, Lord, first let me go bury my father. Jesus said to him, let the dead bury their own dead. But you go and proclaim the kingdom of God. Still another said, I will follow you, Lord. But first let me go back and say uh, goodbye to my family. Jesus replied, no one who puts his hands to the plow and looks back is fit for the service in uh, in the kingdom of God. Over and over in this chapter, all of the disciples, all of these people are starting to see the popularity of Jesus, the excitement of Jesus. And Jesus over and over is telling them, you know what? It's going to be tough. Things need to die. You need to put aside selfishness. You need to put aside your own ambition. You need to put aside all of these things. Who's going to be the greatest? He says, a child. Somebody who has kind of that that, that pure, innocent, that's the greatest. The greatest of you is the least of you. People, other people are like, come follow me. He said, you know what? You don't even know what it's like. I am homeless. This is a struggle. And this is my life and this is what I've chosen to do. Do you really want to follow me? And so over and over, that... Us and the disciples are plagued with this kind of thing where we want to, we want everything to just kind of go well for us and us to be ranked high and us to be good compared to other people. And Jesus continues to talk about struggle and difficulty and death. And so it's important for us if we are to be people that say we follow Christ There's things in us that we have to be willing to let go of. That we have to be willing to say, I will allow that to die in me. Jesus came to earth and his life was culminated by the fact that he died for us. He gave up his life for us. 
followers of Christ need to be willing to die to self. Our own selfish ambition, our own goals, our own agenda, and this comparison game that creeps in over and over and over. Here's the truth that we have to embrace. And throughout this series, we'll be talking about all these difficult things that like, really get to the heart of the selfishness that is a part of each and every one of us. But the, the truth that we have to embrace to move past the selfie world and into reality is this is God's world. And our identity is only in Christ. It's not, it, my, my, my intrinsic value is not in what I do. My intrinsic value is who I belong to. It's, it, it, it's I am created by God. And that's where my intrinsic value lies. If we get caught up in this place where we're, I wish I was taller, I wish I was this, I wish I was that, and we, we play this comparison game that seems to be like a huge part of our existence, it is depressing. And your world is very small. And every little trouble and every little thing that comes your way is going to be almost overwhelming. There has to be a moment in time, and this is how we move past the selfishness, there has to be a moment in time where we clearly understand I am valuable because God created me. I am valuable because I belong to Christ. I am valuable enough for Christ to die for me. I have intrinsic value that goes beyond any of those other things that like plague us and stress us out. And make us insecure and make us look to others and all those other things. My intrinsic value is only wrapped up in the fact that God created me and God loves me. That's a big view of the world. You see, That's a, that, that, that is all of a sudden starting to realize and grasp so much more instead of those little things. So Jesus gives us these pictures. He said, the least among you is the greatest. You know, there's so many times in life that, that like we do these things to impress others. Can you imagine how foolish those things are to God? Have you ever like said something to sound smart to somebody else? Have you ever done? I have. It's fun to sound smart, right? Like, you know, people are talking about something or this or that, and you throw in, like, just a little obscure fact, and they're like, wow, they're really smart. You know, sometimes we, I even do that on Sunday morning just to make you guys, trick you guys into thinking I'm really smart. Can you imagine approaching the God of the universe and saying, hey, fun fact, God? And, like, trying to impress God? How silly, Right? Have you ever tried to impress somebody? And maybe, maybe you're past that. I'm not. But maybe you're past this. This is kind of like a middle school, high school thing. Impress somebody with your athletic prowess. Is that, is that the right word? Okay. Um, your athletic ability. You try to impress somebody. Maybe, you know, I'm thinking 
thinking is sixth, seventh grade, and, and you're all out at recess, and, and the girls are there, and you're out there scoring touchdowns on the football field. Hey, ladies, how's it going? Did you see that score I just made? And can you imagine the God of the universe that spoke everything into existence saying, did you see that touchdown? Just check that out. I juked out two people, outran the rest. Touchdown. God, do you love me now? And like, this is how we live our life sometimes. And sometimes we're even, hey, you know, we go to maybe, this is, a, this is maybe a more adult version of this. We go to our uh, high school reunion. This would be my 20th high school reunion year. You show up, 20, what are you doing? Well, you know, after my master's degree, I, I settled into, uh, you know, this position at work and, you know, lots of big things coming up, big deals coming up, you know, lots, you know, uh, yeah, I, uh, and you, you rent a, a fancy car and you get dressed up and whatever. You try to impress everybody to say, look at the money I've made or look at the status I've achieved. Can you imagine showing up to the God who is the creator of the universe who set the stars in place and say, check out, check out my bank balance. Check out my 401k. Are you impressed yet, God? Are you impressed? And it starts to put it into reality that, no, that's not what God is impressed by. And, and it starts to, we, we, we have to really beg the question and ask the question, who is it that like, we're trying to impress in this world? And Jesus says, look at the child. Look at the one who is humble. That's impressive. God throughout scripture says, says, I give grace to the humble. The people whose heart all of a sudden is soft and they say, I recognize God of the universe, who you are, and I, I seek you. And I humble myself before you. That is impressive. All throughout scripture, there's times when, when Jesus says he was impressed by people's faith. Like different people that said, you know what? I'm going to follow you and I believe in you and I trust in you. He's impressed by that. Because people all of a sudden, you know, just were willing to trust and follow and approach God. And God is impressed by that. I think God is impressed. Jesus is impressed in an encounter where he heals uh, ten different people, and one of the ten people come back to him and says, thank you. Thank you for what you did. And he's impressed by that person's gratitude because they're thankful for the things that God has given them. And that was an impressive moment in that point in time. And so we're not alone in this. But we all get caught up in the world like the disciples where we say, where is my ranking? Where am I at? And there's always somebody richer, and there's always somebody smarter, and there's always someone with better looking kids, okay? And if that's the world that we live in, the selfie world, like, it's just a recipe for, for um, disappointment. And sadness and not being fulfilled. And if there's a point in time where we all, all recognize, set it aside, that I give up my whole life for you, God.
I set aside all my selfishness. I approach you like a little child, humbly knowing there's so many limitations that I have. I recognize that life is sometimes even going to be difficult. All of these reminders time and time and time again that Jesus is giving to these disciples that are thinking that they're becoming somebody. Your identity and the truth of this world, this selfie world that we live in, is you will not find peace and you will not find rest in this comparison game. But we will only find rest if we recognize who we belong to. I want to take a moment to pray. And I want to just kind of as we enter into this series, start to reflect on some of those areas in our life where we are consumed by ourself. And I want you to pray and ask God to widen your world. And in particular, the kind of the area that we talked about today, the comparison game is something that plagues you and you struggle with, just cry out to God, say, God, help me. Help me not to be so disappointed with my life because I'm comparing it to everything else. I'm trying to impress everyone around me. Take a moment to speak the truth into a selfie world, a self-consumed world that we often find ourselves in. The truth that the God of the universe died for you. The truth that your value is not in your appearance or small successes that we're proud of. It's in the fact that God created us. And I encourage you also to cry out to God to help you instead of being so consumed with yourself, help you to understand and know the world that God created and get on board with his kingdom, his work, his will in this world. God, I pray for myself today. That my identity, my worth, my kind of all of these things that I compare to other people would be not wrapped up in these small accomplishments or even things I can't control. But instead, God, that I would know I'm loved by you.
forgive me when I try to play the comparison game and I try to argue with other people about how great I am. God, help me to know that you're great. 